Uh, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, B-Fan Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. Today I'm here with... Hank Wasiak. I was trying to figure out how to say your last name this whole time. That's okay. It gets mispronounced all the time. It's a good Polish name. Yeah, I don't know where my name comes from, but it gets mispronounced as well. It's Enix, Enix. but it's spelled E-N-O-E-X. Oh, is that how you spell it? It's yeah. cool. Let me, I, so that's a good Polish name. What? I'm half Polish and half something else. What do you think the other half is? Irish, Irish. This is German, German, Italian, Cuban. For real, Cubano. See, oh, I like that. That's nice. I was a kid in Brooklyn, growing up, in a in a being Polish and Cuban, and it was at the time when, uh, when the the all all the the guys in my neighborhood were at war with all the Spanish kids in the other neighborhood. Yeah. So I used to say, I'm half Cuban. <laughs> That's <laughs> fine. Now my back. mother is Cuban. Josefina Candida Sierra. That's beautiful. Nice name, huh? It is. But, um, okay, we know you're from Brooklyn. Other than that, you could, you want to just tell us a short, brief story about yourself? Anything that comes to mind? If you Something like My story is not short. Huh? My story is not short. How old do you think I am? I looked it up. You did? Yeah, you 88. Uh, not 88. Give me a freaking break. <laughs> I'm 80, 80, 80 okay. years old. That's beautiful. And uh, so I've been around since then. And um, I'm a kid, grew up in Brooklyn. Um, dad, fireman, mother worked at a kid's store. We had my brother and sister and I. And my grandmother lived with us for a while. My Cuban grandmother. In a... Small apartment in Brooklyn, third floor, we walk up, and there were five of us stepping all over each other. So that's the roots. I was a street kid, grew up in the street. And, yeah. Um, loved it all. Had a good time. It was a great time of life. Okay. You got to your teenage years. How did that go? Teenager? Yeah, let me hear Oh, uh, good. Had a wonderful time. I uh, got in a lot of trouble. Uh, and I went to a Catholic elementary school, Catholic high school. And um, survived nuns and brothers and all of that, but I was I was I was a reasonably good kid, but I, I headed down some wrong paths sometimes. Yeah, as we all do, and that's one thing we need to do to learn. That's it, you know, because even when you say that you lived in an apartment, five people, I was sort of the same way. I lived in an apartment with my mom, my grandma, and my older sister, but it was a it was a one bedroom. One bedroom. Yeah. So my grandma got the. Uh, my grandma got the bedroom. My sister slept with my mom, mm-hmm. and me and my mom slept on the floor in like one of the like side rooms or whatever. Yeah, but it was well, <laughs> we were lucky. We had two bedrooms, but they were tiny. <laughs> yeah, it, and growing up like that, it was like I'm more appreciative of it now than sure. I feel like I would be anywhere else. Yeah, absolutely, it, it was a big stepping same, stone for myself. Same but, way, you know. And then um, I think those things. Never, I, you know, there's a saying, you can take the boy out of Brooklyn, but you can't take Brooklyn out of the boy. I'm sure the same thing that you say about people from Detroit, but there's something about growing up in a city and and being a street kid, at least at, in my time, that just was there. We went out, at, uh, went out at nine in the morning, came home at whenever we did, and <laughs> that was it. Yeah, for me, it was uh, when the street lights came on. Yeah. You had to be back in, That's but sometimes they, they let you uh, go yeah. out. I remember uh, I used to play basketball. Basketball was like the mediator in the neighborhood. Yeah. So it was uh-huh. like, everybody, let's just come and hoop, even if you can't hoop. And I just found myself, I was I was like four or five years old in the street playing with people way older than me. I remember I'd be at my dad's house. It'd be the teenage boys across the street. But when I was at my mom's house, I was playing with people with ankle monitors on. But mm-hmm. none of that stuff really means Absolutely. anything you know, to me. And, and, um, don't don't lose that, yeah. you know, because that that all is part of who you are. Yeah, and then you're going to graduate from USC. You're going to get into other worlds and things. I guarantee you, you're going to you will always go back to something there. That you're going to remember that ankle bracelet yeah. on that guy or whatever. Yeah. And it's uh, it, I, one of my oldest friends that I went to school with. He and I still keep in touch. He's exactly my age, and we talk to each other all the time so you got a lot of years on me mm-hmm. you've been through a lot how do you how did you um stay yourself with everything that you've done 
for those that don't know, could you, if you want to, you could slightly uh, tell them what your profession is and what you've right. done. I, 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 base, I, I am a marketing businessman. Mm -hmm. I grew up in the advertising business. In the Mad Men days. You ever hear of that show, Mad, Mad Men? Mm -mm, I haven't seen it. Check it out. I got you. It's all about advertising in the 60s and 70s. So, okay. um, that, from a business point of view, that's where it all started for mm -hmm. me. I did not want to go to college. I had no idea I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. uh, no one in my family had gone to college. And I really wasn't that interested. Or that pressed, yeah. And uh, my a teacher that I had in school said, I think if you go to, if you don't go to college, you're going to find yourself in another institution. Mm. So he did. And he made me go. Mm -hmm. And I reluctantly went. I went to, I went to Catholic high school mm -hmm. and grammar school. Yeah. And the person that pushed me to go to college was a Christian brother. Yeah. Brother Merrick. And he said, I want you to go to college. Just give it a year. If you don't like it, get the hell out. But, don't go to any Catholic college. Go to I want here's a college. He wanted me to go to a college in Manhattan that was not going to be my my prior education. So I did Pace College. I didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. uh, I went down the list of majors. First one was accounting. Eh, wasn't me. <laughs> Second one was advertising. I say hey, I like ads. Yeah. Why not? Literally, that's it. I checked advertising, mm -hmm. and. That's it. That's how I got started in my career and my business. Yeah. And it was a, it was a smart, wild-ass guess. I got lucky. And it was something that I enjoyed mm -hmm. and fell into right away. And I stumbled into a career. I was pushed into college, and I stumbled into a career. And I am eternally grateful for that. Because That's beautiful. I took to it. I loved it. And I was extremely successful at it. Do you got any accomplishments that you would like to note now? Well, I have a, a lot. Well, I'm listening. The most of which is I have a great family. Yeah. And my wife and I have been married for 58 years. My grandparents just, just celebrated 50. Yeah, oh, wow. That's they beautiful. got a to go on us. And we have three wonderful sons. Mm -hmm. And I have a grandson. And uh, that, in the end, is... The most important. And many times in your life, you'll kind of, they'll get a little fuzzy on mm -hmm. you sometimes. So you really have to understand that. But, um, so that's, that is the most important one. That's beautiful. And the other, you know, I have a lot of other accomplishments mm -hmm. in business and school and, and in, in life that, um, I could talk about if you want. Go ahead. Go for it. We listen. Uh, but, um, one, the funny ones. I mean, I, uh, I was the, f I graduated from college, mm -hmm. and right, at, and when I was graduating, I graduated in three and a half rather than four, because my wife, my wife and mm -hmm. I were engaged, and we wanted to get married. So we got married in February 1965. What day? That February 6th, and you're going to get me in trouble. I almost said the 5th. February 6th. So, Vicky, if you're listening, I got it right. My birthday, and, February 8th. No kidding. Oh, good for you. And so I graduated, went on a honeymoon for a week, started work the next day, the next week. Where you was working at? Pardon me? Where were you working at? I, I worked at an ad agency called Benton and Bowles. Okay. Made, it, it was the highest paying job I could get. It was $100 a week. Which was pretty good. Yeah. And um, so I started in the media department. Okay. And then worked up and grew and uh, went into different departments. And I left five years later mm -hmm. and uh, went to an agency called Doyle Dame Burnback, which was the, a very hot creative agency that I wanted to work at. Mm -hmm. And they hired me at 26 and... I was made a vice president of the agency at age 26. Wow. I still think I'm the, the youngest VP they ever had. I hope it stay that way. I hope so, too. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and, it, and I'm glad you said that. It's an interesting point. So I got started young, and I always was impatient and mm -hmm. moved. And so 
when I would be in situations. I'm 26, and most of the people I had were older than me. Yeah. So I spent my life being many times up until a certain time, mm -hmm. the youngest guy in the room, right. and had a lot of older people reporting to me. And I had to get over a lot of things like, mm -hmm. gee, you know, who am I to tell them? But I did. Yeah. And, and you just have to believe in yourself all the time. Don't let ageism sucks both ways. You, mm -hmm. you own your age all the time. Now, I find myself mentally the youngest person in the room, but I'm not. Yeah. Age wise, right, and that's the way I've always operated my life that way. I'll always, I always want to keep myself. That yeah, way. so it's a good, a good mentality for, for you to have. Yeah, it's almost like, it's like um. Not being afraid to be wrong in a room because I feel like if you're always looking to be right, your life becomes a test at that point. Yeah, but yeah, but not only that, it's not afraid to be wrong. It's it's always keeping your mind open to learning mm -hmm. something. And if you make a mistake, you own up to it, you know, get a kick in the ass and then just move along. But the one thing that I, I really found and discovered, and you should, okay. is the importance of mentors and mentorship. Yes. It's very, very important that you do. And, and when you go for your jobs and you're in school, find them. Find them. And I then one day. Yeah. <laughs> find them all the time. They are important and you'll, uh, and and also, you can be a mentor. So make sure you don't you do that. That you give back with that. Okay. And what I was I later on in life I found uh, later on I I really got into reverse mentoring. I latched on to younger people that taught me digital work and all kinds of things. So mentorship is really important. Okay. Absolutely. And what type of books did you read to like? you know, develop this mindset after you acquired Books it. that I read, I read some. I kind of, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of text and textbooks, even yeah. though I teach and use it. <laughs> I, I, I read the book of life, quite frankly. There's nothing like experience. You have to know some things that you got to teach yourself. Yes. Uh, and the profession that I went into, marketing and business and advertising, yes, there's things that you have to know, basic facts, but it's much more driven by your creativity, your 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 willingness to learn and apply principles. It's not like I have to know 60 rules of accounting tomorrow yeah. or economic theories. It's not that. Yeah. I'm not good at that, but I'm, I'm, I'm good at marketing. I know yeah. what it is. So I, I found that career and I loved it. And the other thing that I did, you mentioned my what I decided to do was mm -hmm. I knew for some reason or other, I don't know why, I said, I want to teach. Yeah. So I, after I graduated from college a year later, I started my master's degree at New York City Community College. I couldn't afford anything else. Mm -hmm. And because I knew if I at least had an MBA, I could maybe get a job teaching part-time. It was always going to be, you call it a side hustle, <laughs> it was always going to be the extra thing I wanted to do. I don't know where it came from, but yeah. I did. So that's what I did. I uh, got an MBA, and uh, in 1970, I got my first job teaching at New York City Community College So, so at, at night. Yeah, so college has always been... It's always been level. part of it. And then... The next year, I went to teach at Pace University, okay. and I've been teaching since 1970, nonstop mm -hmm. to today. So, what's something common that you saw in the classrooms amongst like all the classrooms? Uh, that's you good, taught, it's a great question. Yeah. The, the 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 short answer is a lot, and not and not so much. The the thing in common. Mm -hmm. That that I've seen in, in success in, and in the business school. So I don't know what's going on in other elements of, of the school, but in the business school, the what I saw from the first class I taught. How's it going? Good. Is it okay if I shut down the projector? All you want. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. He's just going to shut that down. They close things down at five o'clock. Okay, that's fine. So, 
So we're getting, well, you, you can edit, right? Or did you do a little bit of that? Or no? uh, yeah, I could do a little bit. Right. So I could just cut that part. Cut that I'll make part. sure I don't listen. So the one, the one thing that I, that I always love is eagerness to learn. I mean, there's a, no matter whether it's what decade, you, the, the students come into class with, I want to learn, I want to get ahead, and the, the motivation, motivation to grow mm -hmm. and to do that. And what I've seen over the years, that hasn't changed. And that enthusiasm for knowledge hasn't changed. Yeah. What I've seen grow is the complexity of what you have to learn today and what you have to know. Yeah. And over the, over the decades, at least in marketing and with students, they, they've got to become much better, had to become much better versed in different skill sets than, than they had. It, uh, and in the generations that I see now, mm -hmm. you, you have so much coming at you that there's an awful lot of ang more, more angst and anxiety yeah. than I've seen in prior generations. Mm -hmm. More opportunity mm -hmm. than I've ever seen, but more, more angst and anxiety and, and worrying about things too much yeah. rather than kicking ass and getting the most you can. You're in college for four years. Right. Don't make the most of it. And, and making the most of it's different for different people. Mm -hmm. Make the most of the relationships that you have. Make the most of the teachers that you're going to work with. Yeah. And sometimes, and enjoy it. Lighten up. You're, you guys are much too uptight. Yeah. Right now. Because a lot of times, uh, even when I see people like um, worrying about the grades, I talked to you about this. I was like, the way I had to construct it in my mind is I'm not going to die because of this grade on this mm -hmm. test. It is not gonna, I'm not going to let it decide my future. It possibly could, maybe, if anybody's looking for that specifically, but I'm not going to allow yeah. it it's to the best of my ability. And then there's nothing I can do to change it. Good what's gone is gone. And Don't change done. that attitude. What's I, done is done. Yeah, you're right. Don't so change I might as well you know, I had a, yeah. a little post on TikTok that I caught a lot of crap for, which yeah. someone asked me, what was your GPA? Yeah. And I said, I don't remember what my GPA was. I didn't give a crap what my GPA. All I needed to know was that it was going to be enough to get me into a low-level graduate school. Yeah. And I didn't even know what it was. Yeah. And that got misinterpreted on TikTok that said, your, G, your GPA doesn't matter. I said my GPA didn't matter. <laughs> so I took a lot of heat from that. But a, G, the, a GPA matters yeah. if you're interested in going to graduate school. Right. And if you have certain professions you want to get into, you mm -hmm. pay attention to that GPA and you raise it up all the time. Yeah. But the GPA is in no way yeah. a measure of what you've learned. Man, I get I will get in a lot of trouble for saying that here at school sometimes, but a GPA doesn't matter that much when you leave here. Yeah, and I, I'll tell you, I've hired hundreds of people, and the last thing I ever looked at the on GPA. their resume was the GPA. I didn't right. give a shit about that. But for, if you want to go to graduate school, you can do that. Ready. Fine. Yeah. If GPA is a measure of how you want to measure yourself, fine. But it is not a measure of your success once you leave here. Right. I firmly believe that. Yeah. Now, I'm not encouraging <laughs> you to get a lousy GPA. No, I'm not going to go. And yeah. work hard. Yeah. And, you know, it, and it always isn't a measure of how hard you put in, how much work you put into a course. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can work your ass off and you just can't ace the test. That happens. It's not life or death. Don't die from it. Before you came in, I was doing a review of a midterm with a student where he didn't do that well. Yeah. And he's probably, I, I think, in terms of engagement in the class, he's terrific. Right. We have good dialogue. He knows his stuff. He didn't do well on the midterm. Mm -hmm. And he's just not good at test. You know? And so that's, sometimes it. that's what it is. You, you can know the information, but being able to regurgitate it spot on within a set amount of time could be a lot on the mental and a lot of people don't take that into account when they see their test grades. Oh, yeah, so they sure. just think it's, oh, I must not know it or I didn't study hard enough. And then they'll go back and 
start to pound their self and pound the information in their head and then end up doing worse on the next one because mm-hmm. how you felt about the reaction just keeps I, building on. If I on. went back and looked at my GPA, it was probably at best to be. Yeah. That was it. And I, and um, by the way, when I went to college, mm-hmm. I had to pay half the tuition, so I had a job. Yeah. And I worked there, you know, and um, and I worked. With so there was a lot of things on the table, and right. getting the learning was the most important thing that I that I wanted to do, mm-hmm. and I did. I learned it. I learned a lot. So, what are your people skills like? Like, how do you see people, and how do you interact with people on a day to day basis? And what's your point. mindset going into it? Good point. Um, you you have to you have to have, you know I, I don't know, I don't know if I like to call it people skills, right? But in my business, I'm listening. You gotta like being with people mm-hmm. in the advertise in the marketing business mm-hmm. uh, you're not stuck in a cubicle by yourself and you don't do spreadsheets and then go home and do that it's mm-hmm. not that world some there are some people that thrive in that environment but if you're in the marketing business and the agency business if you don't like and enjoy being with people don't go into it right because it's a people driven business it's mm-hmm. a bit of a cliche today but it is important so you have to like and enjoy working with people. Mm-hmm. You don't got to love them. They're all different. Mm-hmm. But you have to understand and respect it. And the other good the thing that you have to do, I think, when you deal with people in business in general, mm-hmm. but particularly in marketing business, you know that ego you have? Right. You put it in a box and you leave it at home. Okay, you don't you... bring it into work with you. Can you define the ego? Ego is, ego for me is, I know it all. Mm-hmm. I, it's right. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a point of view. Not that you don't have a point of view and a personality and who you are. But sometimes when you're in a situation with other people, you can't let your ego get in the way of being open to them. Yeah. And many times it does, especially when you're looking at ideas. Mm-hmm. And pe- you may look at an idea somebody has and your ego says, I could do that better. But you know what? They may have some validity to yeah. it. So you have to not bring that ego and put, that's your only filter. Mm-hmm. got to be part of it. Mm-hmm. But everyone else's point of view is just as valid as yours. And how do you suggest people go about seeing that? Seeing that other people's values matter. Well, first of all, you have to believe it. Right. You have to believe it. Okay. That their point of view and their right to to express it mm-hmm. and do it and their right to argue their point of view and mm-hmm. sell it to you yeah. is just as valuable as yours. Then you have to make some decisions about whether or not you, you know, you're going to move on those things. But mm-hmm. that's different. Yeah. And what happens when you bring your ego in the room and it's much too big, you stifle points of view. Mm. And the, the one thing that um, I, always, I always like to say is that I love to have, the, to me, the best discussion about ideas I have is when someone changes my mind and I don't change their mind. Yeah. When, when you've had that kind of discussion, it's the best because you've opened yourself up you learn something, you built that into who you are, and you get your mind changed by something. Sometimes it not, that doesn't happen, but yeah. when it does, that's a great discussion to have. That's great. And so, even in the business world, but like even outside of that, what's the importance of being vulnerable to the people outside of you and being, being vulnerable? vulnerable? Yeah, being vulnerable to the world. Um, the way, it's an interesting the way you ask it in terms of being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I the way I read that is being able to admit I'm wrong, mm-hmm. I made a mistake, mm-hmm. say holy shit, and sometimes break down and cry if you have to. Mm-hmm. You know, you you have to. It, you, in order to get empathy, you've got to give empathy. Okay. So you've got to open up. And it's very hard. It's, it's hard for my generation. We weren't, especially, you know, you know tough guy, boom, you got to be vulnerable, yeah. do all of that. You can't be vulnerable. You can't show your emotion. And unfortunately, men suffer from that more than, more than women. Yeah. Uh, and, um, I think you, you, you want to, you, you want to be open. Being vulnerable is you don't want people to step all over you and shit all over you. No. But you want to you want to let people know you want to not be afraid to say, "Boy, I made a mistake." 
oh, I did this and I, I shouldn't have done that. And here, how can I fix this? That all those things you really have to be open to do. If you're not, you're going to be a very insular person. And by being, by opening yourself to showing your vulnerabilities, you, that, what goes along with that is you have to have the guts to ask for help. And you have to understand when the pressure's on and you can't do things, you got to open up. Hey, I'm lost here. I need help or whatever it is. And in my life, I, 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 I did some of that, but I didn't do enough of it. And there were time, there was a time when, uh, I went through some things later on in my life where if I didn't open up and ask for help, I wouldn't be here today. Yeah. And, um, you know, your mental health and your mental attitude drives it all. Right. So you got to do that. So now that we answer that, have you seen it? Have you ever helped a student or noticed a student is going through something and just help them open up? Yeah, as all a the time. I'm listening. How does that all go? How time. does that interaction? Uh, oh, usually you go? know, I, first thing is I I let every student I know that I'm there's no judgment. I'm here. Let me know. Yeah, and I can tell. I I can tell when there's some things going on. Mm-hmm. And I and I've always been there. Yeah, and because I because we all have vulnerabilities, as you say. But when and and you the the reason why I think it's even more important today, and I did that little TikTok video. I yeah, listen, I did a video doing some things on TikTok, mm-hmm. and it, the, I simply said, if you're a student in college struggling with where you are, this video's for you, mm-hmm. and then. Just spontaneous said, you know, it's probably because you feel like you don't belong. You're having this or that. And, and, you know, I was first generation. I went through the same thing. I didn't think I was going to be there belong. But in the end, you're the only one that knows where you should be. Right. No one else can tell you you don't belong. You'll know if you don't belong. Mm-hmm. That video, that short, so, so it basically said, you're the arbiter of it. Don't take any crap from anybody. Mm-hmm. And it got 700,000 views. <laughs> and I was overwhelmed by the emotional outpouring of it. Gee, thanks, I needed that. And then I got to hear this thing called imposter syndrome. Yeah, I was just about to ask you about that next. Which pisses me off I'm beyond listening. no end. Go ahead. Because what does the word imposter mean? Uh, fake well, charlatan yeah, you're putting yeah, something yeah, over on yeah. you because you're you're feeling a little lost or you're not keeping up with things you're not an imposter right it's who you are right so that that word in and of itself I'm on a rant against that okay they should eliminate that yeah. whoever made that up should be thrown in jail yeah you're not an imposter you're struggling like mm-hmm. we all do yeah and you have to just accept it but the pressure today to all, to, for all of you to succeed is much higher than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. The angst and anxiety is. And the reason why you see more of it today is there are more first generation students in college than ever before. Wow. Than ever before. Mm-hmm. In other words, the first one in my family to go to school. Yeah. I was back in, in the sixties, but that's much more prevalent today. And, yeah, you're first generation, so you don't have role models to compare to, et cetera. So you're put into an environment where you're going to be asked more of you. So it's natural that you may be struggling more. And my little pet peeve about it is I don't think as universities we do enough to accommodate that. Right. We tout the fact that, gee, X percent of our incoming freshman class is 25% of first generation. Great. You don't just dump them into a room and say, go for it. (laughs) We have to have the support services Mm -hmm. for it. And more importantly, professors like me have got to recognize that and say, I I respect that and I'm going to give you extra attention if you need it and open your mouth and don't be afraid to ask for it. Yeah. So that's what I do all the time and push to do it. That's great. 
Mm. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. But are you first generation? No, technically not. My dad went to college. Your dad went to college. I think my grand oh my grandparents went too. All right, cool, good. So everybody, everybody went, but on my mom's side, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know if my grandma went. Okay. I know my mom didn't. Okay. But it was never really a lot of pressure on me to go. Go. Okay. The way my parents raised me, it was I really like how they did it. It was more of a um, because I was raised in two separate households, uh-huh. so it was always back and forth. But they always seemed to have an idea of what the other was doing, right. even if they didn't speak much. Yeah. But the way they well, you were the bridge. Yeah, I was. Okay. I did. Sometimes that got overwhelming, but it was. I was so used to doing it, I never really let it truly affect me as much as it could have if somebody was used to having to connect the household and then was all of a sudden thrown in the position mm-hmm. that they had to be the bridge mm-hmm. between their parents. But they sort of let me go out and make my own mistakes and scratch myself, hurt <laughs> myself. Yeah. And then they'll look at me and say, all right, get up. What you want to do? You want to keep going or you want to yeah. change directions? But they also said, if you're going to change the direction of anything, you have to not completely burn the bridge, but don't be in between two things trying to pity pat back and forth. Mm-hmm. You got to commit to something and then stay on that route. And once you're on it, be on it. And if something changes, that's okay. Yeah. Be okay you, with you, you can get off the road when you want. And when yeah. you go out in business, that's going to happen to you. you mm-hmm. know, your first job you know, will be your first job. That's it. It doesn't mean you you, you guys spread, spend so much time thinking about making the exact right decision. Right. You know, it's just... One on the stepping stone. Let me ask you a question. I'm listening. What was your greatest vulnerability growing up? Here you are now. You're in first year in school. Um, Were you scared? Scared of what? Going to school, leaving home. Here? Yeah. I was more or less excited. I was, excited. I was ready to go. Okay. But I just wasn't sure what I would do when I got here. I was... I was I'm confident in my ability to get good grades, but I know it's this four years is sort of the deciding factor between mm-hmm. maybe the next forty or whatever. So it was really so much as okay, I'm here. What am I gonna do now? I might not be making money as of right now, but what am how am I gonna build myself to make my mark somewhere? Because I know I want to make my mark and leave my mark somewhere, right. but it was more so the question of. How am I going to do it? And then the question was, can I do it? And that's that's um, one of the things that's in the back of my head so sometimes. How do you define making your mark? Making my mark. Just being able to be known in rooms that I haven't stepped in yet and have an impact on the people that I haven't met and probably will never meet. Mm-hmm. But no, me and that person still have some sort of connection. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I see is making my mark. So, and... You know, one of the things about making your mark is you have to make your mark with yourself first. Yeah. And and understand where you want it, where you, where you want to be. Mm-hmm. And then know where your footprint is going to be. And then have other people be fortunate enough to step into it with you and mm-hmm. grow. So, you know, that, that's a great attitude. You have to keep it up. Do you have a role model? Actually, I got a few. See, I'm so, interviewing you now. Yeah, it is. I love right. this. I, I love when this can happen. Yeah. This, this, these are the interactions that I look okay. for because this is a real conversation. Mm-hmm. But the uh, role models I really look up to will be my granddad, my dad. And then outside of that, I'm not sure. But okay. I do look up to a lot of people. So for you, even you right now, even mm-hmm. though I just met you, you inspired me and you, mm-hmm. you made me want to be more of myself and just having this connection right now you lets made me know my day. that it's supposed to Yeah, you made my day and I'm glad you were so open to doing this. Mm-hmm. But um outside of that, I try to use social media to my advantage and then I, I look at people and I say, Okay, I like this aspect of this person, I'll use it. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. But I won't look at them as a whole person and sort of I won't worship them like a lot of people do. Yeah. People yeah. devote their whole life around this one person. I look at them and say, Well what aspects of this person do I like? I Go grab it, I take it, I add it to my repertoire, tweak it a little bit, and then go out and then yeah. see who else can I, not like leech on, but who can I leech on to get something gotcha. from? That's a great point. You know, I, in, in look, my lesson I learned over role models is 
there is yeah you have your dad your granddad yeah there is no one yeah you you, you look and see people and you admire things mm -hmm. and uh, you know i'll tell you the, the secret i'm listening and uh I, that when you admire something in someone else it's a quality it, it's something that you want to admire and you're reflecting yourself mm -hmm. so the, there's a thing we you know, written a couple of books about positive thinking. Okay. And thing that we, we that I talked about was you should create a Mount Rushmore. Okay. And four people mm -hmm. at any given time. Sometimes they can change. Who's on your Mount Rushmore? Who are you looking up to? Who you want to emulate? Whose values do you want to pull? Mm -hmm. And it's, it'll be a you know unlike the permanent Mount Rushmore, you have the two. You have your granddad and dad that are yeah. up there, but you can put other people on it. Yeah. And then always be looking at it because the qualities you admire in them are the qualities you want that you have embedded in yourself that haven't come out yet. Yeah. So that's a, you know, it's a good thing that you, you do that. And don't, you know, and it'll change. You know, yeah. It will change. Some of my, my Mount Rushmore's have changed a lot sometimes. Can you give us a few? Huh? Can you give us a few? Well, my, you know, my, my dad was definitely one. Of course. And and my mom too. I just love them. They were both, you know. My dad was a fireman. My mom was uh, uh, a uh, you know, worked in a store. So I I, I love that. Yeah. I had for I, I had a, a a great professor at, in school mm -hmm. who was on my Mount Rushmore. Got named Dr. Stanley Mullen, who inspired me to go into teaching. Right. And do that. And uh, business, different role models in business that I've had, partners that I've worked with, all came in and out. My wife is on there. Yeah, took her off a couple of times. You know, <laughs> you know who knows? But but it, what is it's really found interesting. I'm finding my kids on there more than ever. Yeah, and looking, I'm just saying, wow. Not not it was be, not because of. It's just because I just admire who they become as as men. Mm -hmm. And uh, my grandson's, what he's doing. And, yeah. Uh, so it just, it, it changes. But, yeah. the, you know, in terms of the, the big idol of some, you know, yeah, if I were to pick idea. one yeah. that I would say, God, if someone, if I could really have the stamina and, and just what that person went through, it would be Winston Churchill, quite frankly, during World War II yeah. and what he did. Mm -hmm. So that's from my generation. But it changes a lot. Yeah. So... As a father and a grandfather, what's your philosophy on raising a child? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, it, uh, it's not spare the rod, spoil the child, yeah. but it's discipline. Mm -hmm. It's discipline. It, it, you, your kids need a framework and discipline. And they, they have to, they have, you've got to give them a moral compass. And, in the end, that's what you're there for, yeah. to start them out, to start them out right. And then mm -hmm. you have to guide them mm -hmm. and do that. And the, I had kids young. Mm -hmm. So when we were in our early, we were 21, 22, our first, you know, we had kids. Mm -hmm. So, um, so we really almost grew up as friends with them. <laughs> and that was a, a good and a bad thing. We kind of let them get away with some things that they might not have or whatever. But it was always a, uh, always a just friendly relationship. Yeah. And, um, and what the other thing that we didn't do is we didn't push them any, in any direction. We let them find their own. Yeah. That's exactly how I was raised. So what were some qualities that you found in yourself that you had to change when those kids came into the world? He was like, I just gotta. That uh, the qualities were that I had to stop risk taking, screwing <laughs> around, uh, doing a lot of things that would be that, as a dad, you would consider irresponsible. Yeah, uh, I I wasn't good at that all the time, mm -hmm. quite frankly. Um, and but the the one thing that having the kids made me ha I've always had a work ethic. Grew up with it. You, I've worked since I've been 14 and haven't stopped. Mm -hmm. And having kids made me even want to increase that work ethic to provide more and do more. Yeah. And sometimes I think I let that get in the way of 
other things. Mm -hmm. So that work ethic was something that was, we got married, you know, we were making a hundred bucks a week and needed extra money. So I played in a rock and roll band. Did all those kinds of things. What's this going? I want to hear about the rock and roll. Oh, rock and roll. Band. Band. Yeah. It was. Uh, I played the guitar a little bit. But, okay. Um, friend of mine was drummer in a band. It's okay. called the Rogues. It was four of us. They needed a, someone to fill in on the bass player. They said, "Would you do it?" I said, "Yeah." And I picked up the bass, Hagstrom bass. I learned it a little bit, and I wound up playing in a band. We played in every dive and crappy nightclub in New York, Brooklyn, Staten Island. Um, get home from work on Friday at 5, have dinner, go out Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, play, go back to work Sunday morning. <laughs> uh, did some things I probably shouldn't have done. Yeah. Um, and But wanted the money. Yeah. So that's what we did. So how has the rock and roll band played a part in your life as just an experience? What what did you learn from being fun. in the rock it, and roll what, band? What being in the rock and roll band was, and we were we were called the Rogues, by okay. the way. Um, just uh, it it's just not afraid. I, it really loosened me up. Mm -hmm. I, I just wasn't afraid to get up there on a stage and sing, you know, uh, and play the bass and expose myself mm -hmm. and I really and, and also it taught me that the you know playing in a group mm -hmm. and and really being a cohesive group it taught me that but yeah. it 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 pulled away any inhibitions I, I had about being up and exposing yourself and and, and it served me well in business yeah. and what I you know I tell students and people like you is Anytime you have an opportunity to get your ass out of a seat and get up and present something, do it. Because all, you know, so many times, it's, all right, who wants to get up and present? And nobody really Nobody gets up. And I say to them, you're nuts. Get up here. Every time you present, you grow, you build your stuff. You've got to be build confidence in yourself. And you build something called a signature presence. You're going to, you have that in you already i Thank can tell you. you something that is you when you show up in a room no one doubts it's you yeah and you 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 have it inherent in you and then you build it and refine it over time so you're building yours and yours when you walked in you showed up you had a smile on your face you had energy <laughs> you moved confidently you were in the room yeah you didn't come in and look around I can't. I'm the same way. When I when I walk into a room, I'm there. Yeah. It's me showing up. It's still the kid from Brooklyn showing up. Yeah, I've been successful and all of that. But that's it. Hey, what's up? <laughs> Open. Yeah. And that's that's the way I've been. Mm. So you should you you create and you build that signature presence. Thank you. And I will. And and, and you'll grow it. And you'll build it. And you know how to morph it for the room you walk into. Mm -hmm. But the you that shows up is the you. And Always never the changes. You. Right. So we talk, you talked about the groups, the, 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 the rock and roll. I just want to go back to that. Mm -hmm. how, we talked about role models already, but how do friends play a big part? In your friends? Life? Yeah, friends. Fr friends are very important. They were yeah. very important in the, when you grew up as a kid. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the, the scope of them and who they were changed and evolved. But at every point in your life, there was those a few people that became friends at that stage of your life. And that was always very important to me. Yeah. And uh, they come, they go. Some of them stick with you. Some of them don't. But friendships last a long time. I've never burned bridges on a friendship. Sometimes they get more intense than others. As I mentioned, I have friends that, that uh, I've kept for a long time and I keep in touch with and if I don't see you for long doesn't mean you're not my friend I still yeah. do that but having friends and people you can rely on and lean on is important if I were to do more differently I probably would have relied more on some of the friends that I had than I did uh, I tended to early in my career be do it on your own and that's the way I was taught and grew up stand up and be counted but friends are real important very important and uh, one thing you never do is screw your friends. Okay.
And, you know, and the, the, friends is a term that people use loosely a lot. Right. Uh, there are acquaintances and there are friends, and then there are people that are really friends that, that stick with you. So, And they all have value, and they all value you differently. Now, that's important. So what do you do about somebody that you that is your friend but isn't really adding any value to your life? How, do, you, do you get rid of them? Do you talk to them less? Do you just utilize them in the way they've been being utilized? I think if, someone, stick with them? if you think someone isn't adding value to life and they get rid of them, you suck. <laughs> you, that's not the kind of person you should be. Right. Friendship is about you giving more than them giving you. And sure, there are people that are going to come in and out. And if someone betrays you or they betray a friendship or a confidence, jettison from your life, they're not your friends. Right. But just because they're not, they're not contributing or being at, they're still, they're still there in your life. They're still a part of your life. They have something to value, and at some point they might need you. Mm. And if you're not there for them, what kind of friend are you? Not one at all. Right. That's not, that's not somebody that's... Just, yeah. The other th one thing I want to say is for, for all of you and your generation, uh -huh. the one thing that I noticed and I'm happy about is you have a little bit of a give-back gene in you more than we did in previous generations. So you, you all have some kind of club you belong to, a thing that you're doing in your neighborhood to help kids mm -hmm. or whatever it might be. Yeah. My advice is don't lose that once you leave college. Build volunteering into your business life and your personal life all the time. I wish I would have done more of it earlier, but volunteering and, and understanding giving back and what missions of organizations are and becoming part of that will make you better at everything you do. So volunteer all the time. Build that, build time into that every time. It's beautiful. Man. <laughs> that was a good conversation. Good. Cool. I want to tell you one thing that you will enjoy. Okay. Um, at, and then we'll end with this one, but okay. it's a good lesson. Go ahead, go ahead. And I'll, we'll come back for more. Heck yeah, we'll let's get, get a part two in. Get, we'll get some other subjects that I want to talk about. Okay. But this is one where um, I was doing. I did. I was doing interviews for a television show. I was hosting a TV show. Okay. In New York, from our agency, it was called Cool in Your Code, which. We, we went through the, you know, New York, like most cities, it's not a big city, but it's made up of blocks and neighborhoods and yeah. everybody had all. So we, we built a show around that. And one of the, the segments of the show is something called Back on the Block, where we interviewed celebrities, New York celebrities, but not interviewed. We took them right to where they were born and interview them in front of the apartment or in whatever it was. And it was a great thing. And I, I won five Emmy Awards for the okay. show. And the first Emmy Award involved uh, being the best host in New York City. I'd never been in front of a camera. Mm -hmm. And the person that I interviewed was Master Killer <laughs> from the Wu-Tang Clan. Wow. So here I am, 62 me with Master Killer. So it, I went back. I got to know, I, I, his name is Jamal Arif. I understood all of that. We, we got to, we got to meet. Mm -hmm. We sat down in the park right across the street from where he grew up mm -hmm. in his high school. And here I am, this 60 year old white guy <laughs> with MK and his entourage there. And I sat down with him and I said, Right in front of the high school, I said, okay, sitting at the lunchroom table, we used to sit and speculate. We did, and it was his rap song right. about growing up. And he looked at me. He said, where did you learn all that? I said, because that's you. And he and I connected like that just because I got to know him. Mm -hmm. We spent the whole day together, and it was fantastic. And... 
What, in, what he inspired me to do was take a whole new look at rap artists. I'm not a rap person, quite frankly, but I got to know him. And what I did do was I created a rap song for him. And it was, it was called Back on the Block in BK with MK. Okay. And I then asked his mix master at the, at the chamber of the Wu-Tang Clan if I could come and record it for him. Yeah. And I did. Spent the afternoon with it. And I, I wrote the song. We recorded it. And, uh, and the uh, quick draw, who was his mixer, did the back background for me. Mm-hmm. And I wrote it, did it, recorded it, put it on a CD, and gave it to Mystic. <laughs> so you wouldn't expect me to say, and I, I'm not a rap genre, but that I actually wrote and recorded a Master Killer rap tribute in the Wu-Tang Clan chamber in Brooklyn. Not many people know that. You know that now. That's beautiful. They know it too. Is that okay with that? What? That's okay with you that everybody else knows it? Absolutely. Nice. And, uh, and I will, I'll get you at some point. Okay. The one that, 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 I, that I did with it. I'll also share with you my interview with him. Okay. Which was terrific. That's beautiful. It, it, cha- it, ch- it really changed my attitude about that. Mm-hmm. And um, he, 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 he really touched me, that guy. Really That's beautiful. Good. Master kill. I can't wait to do a part two. We're going to get so much deeper. This is going to be <laughs> right, so much we'll fun. We'll do another one. All right, Ben. Thank you for joining me. Cool. And do you have a quote for the day? What? A you quote a, for the day? quote for the day. Anything that comes to mind, just something you want to share. Hmm. Um, let me see. You know, you just got me here. What's my quote for the day? <laughs> um... Yeah, I guess it would be, you can, you know, all right, the one I started out with. Okay. You can, you, you can take the boy out of Brooklyn, but you can't take the Brooklyn out of the boy. <laughs> and that is, and it, never forget where you came from. Right. Wear it like a badge of honor, no matter <laughs> where it is. Yeah. And wear it like a badge of honor and, and stick to your roots. Because that's what, that's what, your tree grows from that. So I'll never change that. Wow. Love it. Okay. That just gave me an idea. Thank you. (laughs) All right. I love this. You're good at it. I appreciate it.